And welcome to the VSA Capital Tech and Transitional Energy Podcast. It's Thursday, April the 20th. Uh, Phil has been to the dentist today, so uh, but only to get the clean, not to be drilled. So he's not in any pain, so we can beat him up and be nasty to him. So I'm sure <laughs> I can catch him out on a few things he's forgotten about. Um, he's also, of course, missing out on a big day. It's bonus day at VSA Capital today. Those that aren't here, get nothing. Very simple. Anyway, Phil, how are you? Well, on that cheery note, I now understand there'll be nothing to pay for my dentist bill, which was reassuringly expensive. But <laughs> apart from everything you've just said, I'm on fine form, Andrew. Very good. Uh, I wish I could say the market was also on fine form. Um, there's been a lot of chatter in the newspapers today, uh, this week rather, uh, about what people are now calling the deputisation of the UK. Um, and this whole concept, which we've talked a little bit about before, that pension funds 20 years ago held 40% of their assets in uh, equities. Today, it is as low as only 4%. And uh, clearly, this was done uh, with the um, when the defined benefit schemes were basically all wrapped up. And basically, company finance directors were told that if their pension scheme had a liability of any form or perceived liability, they'd have to run it through their balance sheet and P&L. So all the finance directors ran for cover and said, de-risk, de-risk. And uh, pension funds put all their money into bonds because it appears to de-risk as far as a finance director of a quoted company is concerned. Problem with that is we all know that over the long term, bonds underperform equities. And so actually your pension fund is now an underperforming asset class. And the other problem is that because there's no money going into equities, there's no money basically going into the UK economy which is why everybody predicts we'll have the slowest economy in the world. Uh, now, it, it sounds though like it's complete an absolute no-brainer for the government to change this. So why doesn't the government do it? Well, the problem is, of course, the government at the moment just wants to borrow, borrow, borrow. It wants to borrow and flood the, the market with free money and quantitative easing and all this sort of thing. And at the moment, because the pension funds just put all their money into bonds, it can borrow very cheaply because there's lots of pension funds saying, yeah, we'll take bonds, we'll take bonds. And the government thinks this is great. What it hasn't thought about, of course, is that if you actually put money into equities, the economy will be stronger, the tax intake will be better, you'll have to borrow less. It's, it's absolute madness. Um, if anybody knows a politician, knows their local politician anything, please just explain to them that actually this government, it's not actually this, just this government, it's every government we've had recently, really needs to do something about this. Uh, it's basically your money. The government is losing you money every day. Sad case. And it's also making the equity market extremely difficult because there's just no capital in it whatsoever. That's a cheery note to start on, isn't it? it well, uh, yeah, yeah, maybe. But uh, well, it's fact. And uh, it was interesting to see a number of articles comparing the UK system with that in Canada. Uh, in particular, and I think Australia was cited, you know, where the proportion of money um, of pension funds in, in equity markets is is far greater. Uh, and, you know, and help, how that's helping their economies. And so, yeah, we've got a crazy situation here. Uh, but you go to Canada, you go to America, you go to Australia. Um, they're all completely different. We are pretty unique. Actually, the only places that are similar to us are Europe. They they went down a similar sort of track. Anyway, move on to something perhaps a little bit more exciting. Uh, believe it or not, uh, on Monday, which was April 17th, um, Arm Holdings floated on NASDAQ 25 years ago. 
Um, so that's quite a, a, an anniversary to think about. Um, and uh, I will actually be uh, celebrating that 25th anniversary tomorrow uh, with Sir Robin Saxby, Jonathan Brooks, Tim Score, etc. The, the management that actually took it to NASDAQ. I, I do see them quite a lot. And uh, I think it should be a pretty fun lunch, to be honest with you. What a, what a celebration to have. Oh, what a fantastic company. And we had a great opportunity at that time to spawn a lot more of them when the semiconductor industry uh, was very strong in the UK. So uh, ah, you enjoy that. Phil, 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 that is far too risky for a pension fund to put money into something like that. I mean, you might end up, you know, with an Amazon or a Google or a Facebook or a Tesla. Your pension funds couldn't do that. No, 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 no. They'd be making their, their 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 clients money. Can't have that. Far too risky. Did I just say that? Yeah, I did. Come on, let's crack on. We're, we're busy, busy, busy. Uh, there's been right. a lot of results this week. I know I'm going to catch you out on lots, uh, which I do enjoy. Um, but I'll let you go first. Well, I'm going to kick off with the automotive industry because there's been an awful lot of news around that, and it's pretty key for tech. Um, I, there was the uh, Shanghai Auto Show, um, and I think at that, VW announced that it was going to introduce 10 more EV models. Um, Toyota had announced new models as well, but it, this is all about the Chinese automotive market because in China, uh, it counted for 27 million out of 67 million vehicles sold last year in the global market, uh, and they had EV output, 7 million vehicles, and um, at the Shanghai Auto Show, also BYD launched an entry-level EV called the Seagull, priced at $11,000. Unbelievable, the price. Now, that kind of leads on to what's happening in this market. And we saw Tesla's results uh, last night. Don't you saw those, Andrew? But um, they had posted uh, revenues of $23.3 billion, but uh, up 24%. But the big story on this was Tesla, um, you know, and its price cuts, how it's impacting margins, um, you know, and its profits. And they saw um, their, their profit margin, uh, operating margin, fall to 11% from 19%. And this is the company that's got state-of-the-art manufacturing, massive sourcing, you know, the scale to manage margins, but it's having to reduce price, you know, prices in this market. So it's interesting to see what's happening here. Uh, yeah, I think we, we have said in the past, I know I have, I talked to a lot of people about it, the fact that the Chinese can basically produce these EVs uh, with brands we've never even heard of. And I'm not talking about BYD or Build Your Dreams, uh, but brands you've never heard of. And they can produce them for about £5,000. I mean, this, actually, the most expensive part probably in EVs is, is the sort of the, um, the laptop that drives it. Um, the rest of it's all pretty damn simple. So there's no question down in my view that we are about to see a massive price war um in ev to stimulate the market again and you will see prices come absolutely crashing down i mean right now it's interesting because if you look at most of the tax incentives in this country are coming off on your ev um the cost of charging your ev at a certainly the fast charging point at a service station um has gone shooting up i suspect that running an ev isn't that much cheaper now than a running a diesel uh, and of course, it's economics that really drive everything. However much the government likes to think that we all want to go green and we all feel better for it, we say that. But actually, at the end of the day, it's pounds, shillings, and pence. Sorry, that's a bit old dated. It's um, no longer shillings, are we? But it's pounds and pence. Um, so um, yeah, we're going to see the price of EVs, I think, come tumbling down. 
I noticed that the second hand market for EVs is very, very weak. Um, so you can pick up a second hand EV. You might not fancy doing that because you don't know what state the battery's in, um, but they are very cheap. But yeah, good point. Yeah, there we go. Anyway, on the positive front, uh, I saw that JLR have announced 15 billion of EV investment into the UK, and that is so important for our automotive industry. Um, and you know, all the businesses that feed into that, they're uh, going to convert the Merseyside production plant to uh, all electric facility. So that'll be good for uh, good for maintaining, you know, high value jobs up there, which automotive really does generate at the end of the day. But it, but interestingly enough, uh, they've announced that um, they're going to have three reimagined, as they quote, modern luxury Jags, uh, and the first is a four door GT to be built in Solihull. Range of 430 miles, indicated pricing from £100,000. So given some of what we've been discussing, we might want to review that, but we will see. So, um, but here's, here's something, Andrew, that caught my eye. And it's news on trucks. Now, might not relate to tech and trans necessarily, but it, but it does, because, of course, you know, again, electric technologies are moving into the, into the trucking industry. But trucks are an indicator of economic activity. So this one, you know, I was always told, look out to what's happening to, you know, heavy trucks. Are they being bought? Volvo uh, had, had their results in their uh, trucking business, um, and they reported a 32% year-on-year rise in order intake. Now, in part driven from um buyers replacing older vehicles um but also got to remember here that um you know the supply they're seeing a lot of easing in supply chains now not surprising um and that's helping them increase production as well but uh, that was quite interesting news because volvo are you know a big competitor of daimler It'd be interesting to see what daimler does as well just as a general you know as a general sign of activity but you know growth in this side of the automotive industry be good yeah all right but there we go. And then, uh, well, I'm sorry, automotive is still quickly uh, just continuing. Dowlays, DWL. Um, this is a demerger from Melrose. Um, and those of you long memories remember that Melrose acquired GKN. GKN has a big automotive business uh, cover, covering, um, so it's automotive, but uh, powder metallurgy, but also hydrogen business in there at GKN as well. But this is now all coming under the wing of Dowlays, which has de-merged from uh, Melrose. And again, we'll be watching this one closely because uh, automotive, you know, is a big part of Dowlays' business. Um, and EVs made up, apparently, I was reading an article, this was Investors Chronicle actually, 40% of last year's order, in the, uh, order intake was, was EV related. So we'll start to track this one and see how this you know how this performs and moving on swiftly to chips andrew and this is on to reporting news semiconductors um now increasingly strategically uh well they're always were strategically important globally uh, but tsmc had their results i don't know if you saw them uh they i were did out. they were up about two percent but they uh, beat expectations so even though it sounds a small number it was better than people expected uh, yeah, it was. Um, I th I think you know pretty surprising given their exposure to the uh, the computer industry, which has been been soft. But uh, they're a big supplier into the smartphone markets as well. Uh, but a lot of folks were very interested in their outlook and, and what's likely to happen um, because computing chips are like forty four percent of revenue and smartphones thirty four percent of revenue. Um, and it's also got to kind of navigate what's happening with 
the China dynamic in the US in terms of tech spend as well. Um, so they're saying they're still seeing strong demand, but um, again, you know, we'll see how that's uh, got to watch that one closely because it's a good good indicator of what's happening globally in in tech and spend on tech. Yeah, I'll tell you, this is this is not a joke, by the way. Let me sound as a, I'm starting one, but it's uh, the question is, you know, if you're Taiwanese and the China are about to invade, where do you run to to be safe? The answer is very simple: semiconductor manufacturing plant. Because there's no way the Chinese are going to um, destroy those. Um, not that I'm saying that China will necessarily invade. I don't, please don't read me wrong or anything like that. Um, but actually, there's another interesting point from that that I have been picking up. I've been talking to a few people actually who have been visiting Taiwan recently, just asking what it's all sort of like. And they said one of the most amazing things is that basically Taiwan have taken the view, again, rightly or wrongly, that you do not want to have nuclear power stations, you do not want to have oil fired. Uh, anything you want nothing that is you know potentially dangerous if hit by a missile or something like that and apparently the whole country is just going completely electrified uh, and renewable energy in in an all in a rush um and uh, they say it's incredible you see these massive you know steel plants being driven off the main grid and apparently there is a massive need um for boosting the whole renewable energy space which of course is fine you can have your wind and your solar as we all know um but you do need uh energy storage um of any form by the way and i noticed i picked up off um he was bloomberg the other day that uh tung ho tung ho's uh yeah tung ho's steel which is one of taiwan's biggest industrial companies they've actually um announced they're going to put in a hundred megawatt battery system for long duration energy storage um, in order to help electrify their steel manufacturing. So I found that quite interesting. But there you go. That's a little bit of a Taiwan uh, something. All right. Well, we'll keep, it, we'll keep an eye out for that. I didn't know they were doing that strategically. That is interesting. We'll see if others do as well. Wow. Oh, wow. Well, I guess just quickly wrapping up on the subject of defence then, um kinetic uh q u i never spell this one it's q i n e t i q the ticker is q q dot l 2.1 billion market cap they had a trading update for the fourth quarter and um full year upgraded guidance uh kinetics one of our you know front-end defense companies but they also supply technologies financial services marine aviation aerospace um, so, of course, a whole bunch of areas, uh, but uh, defense is big business for them. Um, and they reported that their U.S. business is very strong and high order intake of $280 million, revenue growth of 25%. And this was prior to an acquisition that they made. Uh, including that, they won a $93 million uh, night vision uh, contract. Uh, they have $20 million of orders for U.S. Army robotics combat vehicles. And in the U.K., one of £259 million pound 10-year renewal of maritime strategic capability agreements. So we're clearly spending on defence, and that includes submarine. That's for submarines as well. Um, so look out for Kinetic's uh, full-year results there on the 25th of May. And I think those shares have been – they had quite a bounce back, actually, after that uh, trading update. Mm -hmm. Okay. Right. Uh, right. Moving on to telecoms. Um, Cerulean, 
one that we've uh, chatted about and certainly mentioned on a number of occasions. Stickers CER, market cap 356 million. Uh, they had a trading update. Um, their shares have been performing very well this year. Um, and Ceridian software is used for billing, charging, customer relationship management for telecommunications customers. And they um, announced uh, trading update, and this is for the period, uh, this first six months of their financial year ending 30th of September. So the first six month period, uh, trading very strong, uh, records for revenue um, and EBITDA, a revenue 27% higher at uh, to 20 million, EBITDA expected to be 38%. So a lot of drop throughs of profit there to 9.9 million. Net cash, something we look at so closely, is up by 43% to 23.6 uh, million. So a very strong performance, continuing strong performance from Cerulean. Um, and they are seeing substantial, particularly demand for 5G and fiber rollout related services. You know, right, yeah. riding on those networks. Yeah. So they've we been do doing look very at well. Cash, cash is so important. I noticed in the CPH2, Clean Power Hydrogen 2, for those that don't know, I'm sure you looked at these finals today, uh, Phil. Um, look, it's a very interesting company. They make membrane free, membrane free electrolyzers. Um, but obviously, they're losing money at the moment. They've raised 30 million at their float. You need to keep an eye on the cash there because it could get quite low. Wouldn't you agree? That's a possibility. It sounds like it's a possibility. Sounds yeah. like you didn't read those ones. Now, here's one I bet you didn't <laughs> read, uh, which was also today, but you were probably busy getting ready for the dentist and brushing your teeth. That takes quite a long time. Um, <laughs> it's an incredible name of the company. So I just don't believe it, but it's the name of the company is I brackets X close brackets net zero PLC. Did you look at that one? No, <laughs> I did not. Come on, Andrew. You probably should have done. I've never heard of this company. But apparently they're an investing company now which focuses on energy transition and sustainability. All right. So it's right up our street. Uh -huh. Anyway, they announced a new strategic update, board changes, new loan facility, and appointment of a nomad and a broker. Um, so it's maybe one just to keep an eye on, but what a crazy name. Yeah, you do need something you can spell or pronounce easily, especially if you're talking to investors. Wow. Well, oh, well. we'll go through a few. Let's see if you've seen all, all the results that you should have done. See if you're doing your job properly, shall we? After all, you, I haven't actually given you a bonus yet. We could always downgrade it if you haven't done your job properly. Uh, what do you think of the James Cropper results? They have a new chief executive, and I saw that he's taking. It's a it's a tricky one, James Cropper, because it's in um, main focus is paper manufacturing, which of course uses a lot of energy, a lot of water. Um, and uses you know labour in manufacturing, and they're having to do some re, you know the new chief exec as they do has come in and has announced that they are restructuring. Uh, I think there are job they've announced job result uh, job reductions as well. Um, so yeah, quite a I'm quite not a refocus. Really Look, I'll tell you what I thought was interesting, really interesting. I mean, you're right. They had a new uh, CEO about six months ago or something. Yeah. Um, but interesting enough, they came out with. I mean, the results weren't that interesting. They were fine. I think it was about a two million pound profit or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, but what they were saying was the whole strategic review about what they're looking to do. And from what I could see, the new strategy that they got seems to be pretty much like the one of the old strategy, Mr. Wilde, uh, who they kicked out rather suddenly. So I'm a bit intrigued by that. Look, the stock uh, has come back one hell of a long way. You know what it yeah. peaked at about 2000. It's now at about just just under 600p 
Not sure I'd pile in quite yet, but we probably, if you remember, we had our trip, that regular listeners, we had our trip up there cancelled at the last minute. We never got our money back. They've never offered us to come up to the new CEO. So the jury is still out, but that was interesting that that was out. Uh, now, also, again, look, cash, cash, we always look at cash. We've talked occasionally about Xeros technology on this one, haven't we? What do you think of the Xeros technology results, Phil? Oh, Andrew, look, I'm going to get <laughs> you with some soon. <laughs> No, I'm not the analyst. You can't get me. Uh, look, I'll tell you what. I, they made a revenue of £200,000 only. This was a £300 million market yeah. cap, cap company once. Uh, they're going to run out of money again, I'm afraid. So I'll probably stay clear of that one. Uh, we also, though, we won, you will have seen, um, because it's a corporate plant, uh, we had a, a trading update from Samarkand, and we've been doing a roadshow this week. And it is actually quite relevant, uh, and there's a reason why we're doing the roadshow this week, but the, the um, trading update, and that is that all the statistics coming out of China at the moment are looking pretty good. The Chinese economy is actually bouncing back pretty strongly. And actually, you know, if there was one negative about the Chinese economy in general at the moment, it's that youth unemployment actually is up to about 20%. It's getting quite serious. China can't afford to have that, um, because if you have too much youth unemployment, you get uh, unrest and clearly you can't have that in China and so what China has got to do and this we're seeing this particularly in the tech sector is they are basically getting tech companies back again they're pushing them again they're letting them do things we're seeing more and more freedom come back in for for tech companies um, and we see that in particular with Alibaba uh, and we're seeing also some of these new tech companies and, and platforms like um, being actually really pushed by the government because that's where young people go and get jobs so I think you'll see a lot more of that and you'll see um, an expansion of some of the what I call younger industries in China in order to, to create more employment. And that's obviously very good news for Samarkand because, number one, they, they are a technology platform selling brands into China and they're probably the best at it in the world. Uh, but they're just still quite small at the moment compared with some of the bigger players. Um, but that's good. And of course, we know that at the moment the savings ratio in China is through the roof. So, you know, they're saying they are cautiously optimistic. In fact, they said in the trading statement they were they're slightly ahead of expectations. Share price did nothing. Um, but uh, it's a great way of playing China because you're invested basically in the Chinese economy, which looks like it's about to accelerate away again. But your money is in dollars or pounds or whatever you want to call it. So. Yeah, we've been doing quite a lot of work this week with Samarkand. We have, and I published a research note on that as well for investors. So no, but it's uh, but it's, and it's interesting when I was doing that actually, looking at the Chinese, uh, the PMI data that's coming out of China, moving very positively. Uh, you know, you're right. Things are and they certainly do appear to be on the move up there. So uh, yeah, that's a super opportunity. Uh, good. You got any more you want to mention, Phil? Uh, yeah, I do actually. Uh, I don't know if you quickly on the uh, with the subject of, uh, of of tech and software. Interseed, uh, tickers IGP, uh, it's fully mini market cap company. They had a trading update, um, and they're a cybersecurity company specialising in digital identity. Um, and they had announced that um, they had um, revenues of. Full year 23 expect to be uh, 12 million pounds up from 9.9 .9 million 
um, and ahead of forecasts um, and they've got cash balances of 8.3 million up from 7.8 million and that was after an acquisition uh, for 2.3 million so that looks uh, that looks pretty positive for Interseed. Very good. And that and final one for me is uh, Kanos. I don't know if you saw that one Andrew. But that's uh, tickers uh, KNOS 1.6 billion market cap. Now th this was interesting. I was keen to see this actually. It's a very good company, Kanos. It's IT services. Um, so they, uh, but also they're, they're they're a big reseller of workday software uh, and products as well. Um, and they had a trading update um, for the year ending 31st of March. So I was pretty keen to see this because workday software is finance and HR. Um, and you know it's a global workday's global company with six billion of sales. But uh, just in their trading update, they said that they've seen you know continue to see very strong trading across all three divisions into existing you know existing clients, but also uh, trading for new clients. And their clients are public a mix. It's quite a mix actually: public sector, commercial, and healthcare. Uh, they've been expanding in Europe, they've expanded in North America. Um, they have, you know, given the demand that they're seeing, they're increasing the number of people uh, that they have across 20, uh, 20 countries now. They're up there, you know, they're putting their money where their mouths are in terms of growth prospects, um, and they've increased their staff numbers by 11%. Um, and just a note on this one, on its trading, is that the interim results out in to September their revenue is up by 26% to just under £180 million, and the profit before tax was up 16% to £34 million. Uh, and again, cash, uh, their cash interims, this was you know when they were previously reported, cash was up 21% to £97 million. So IT services, which in some areas has been having a tougher time, this one's got nice sort of end market exposure, um, strong cash position, and, and continues to see strong growth. Very good. I'll maybe end it up with a little thing. I went, uh, I think most people know I'm really a big bull of artificial intelligence and the way it's going. And obviously, there's a lot of chatter at the moment about artificial intelligence. Uh, Elon Musk wants to get into it. Hmm. We all know about Chat GPT uh, 4 and it's moving to 5. Um, and the way that I play it is through the Sanlam AI fund run by uh, Chris Ford. Uh, I actually went and listened to a presentation by him uh, yesterday morning. I've got to say, I, I did give some feedback, and that was, I don't think I actually unfortunately learned anything. It was all rather a bit historical. Um, but then maybe I wasn't the right audience. I've been involved in this fund for almost since inception. Um, I sort of know plenty about AI. Um, I sort of knew everything he told us, what I was more interested about, how he uses his own AI to make sure that when he makes a mistake, it doesn't happen again because the AI learns how to correct it and that sort of thing. Um, but anyway, it is it is the, it's very difficult to play pure AI, uh, and his fund is is probably well worth looking at. Um, but I did that as well. And on that note, I think we call it a day. I'll yep. leave Paul Phil to his, to himself, and uh, we'll be back again next week. But if you disagree with anything we say or you want us to talk about anything, please do let us know. We're always intrigued, and as I always say, if you want to just send us a check in the post, we'll take it. Thank you very much. See you next week. Chat next week, Andrew.